This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. For more downloads, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. Oh, good afternoon, everybody. Do we need to be saved? Um, I think if we're going to look at that as a subject for consideration, we, we need to just clarify exactly what we mean by saved, don't we? Um, if, if we're saved, or we're always saved from something, aren't we? Um, an example from the news recently that I picked up in, in the newspaper, uh, a, a village church was saved after meeting a fundraising target, and this, this church had been falling down, it was going to be demolished, and the local supporters raised enough money to prevent that from happening. So the headline there was the church was saved. So, so generally, being, generally speaking, being saved means being in a position where something bad or undesirable is going to happen, and then something prevents that from happening. Now, if you ask many people that question, do, do you need to be saved? A lot of people will probably say, well, well no. I don't think I do need to be saved. Um, there may be certain things in their lives they would change if they could, um, but they don't think that they need saving from anything specifically. So if we're asking if we need to be saved, we first have to think about, well, what is it we need to be saved from then? It's all very well to be saved, but if we, if we don't know what it's from, well, then we can't really say whether it's relevant to us or not. We need to know whether it's worth our time and effort finding out to see whether it's something that we should um, spend some time thinking about. And what we're going to do this afternoon is take a look at what the Bible has to say about this. We're going to base our thoughts upon uh, the Bible as Christadelphians, we believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God, and therefore we can trust it as being accurate and relevant to us in our lives. It's not our subject this afternoon to look at why we think that. That will be dealt with, I'm sure, on other occasions. But we're going to take that as the start point for our consideration. So what can we learn from the Bible, then, about what it is that we need to be saved from? Could you just open your Bibles, please, to the Gospel of John, and chapter 3. Now this is generally perceived to be one of the best, <coughs> best known passages in the whole of the Bible. John chapter 3 and verse 16. John chapter 3 verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And verse 16 there tells us what it is that we are saved from. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, should not die, but have everlasting life. Well, is that saying that death doesn't have to be the end? Can that really be true? It seems astounding really, doesn't it, given that death is rather unavoidable. It's one of the few absolute certainties in life, isn't it? Uh, there's not many other things we can say with 100% confidence are definitely going to happen. There may be things we hope will happen or are likely to happen, but death is one of those few things which is absolutely certain. <clears throat> I think that's a slightly morbid thought. Now, it's not the intention tonight to, to be depressing. Uh, quite the opposite, in fact. 
those verses we've just read together give us reason for hope. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth him should not perish but have everlasting life. And just from this short passage we can see that death, according to the Bible, does not have to be final. It doesn't have to be the end. We're told why, because God loves us there in verse 16, and we're told how in verse 17 there, through the Lord Jesus Christ. So in just these two small verses, we're told that because God loves us, we can be saved from death through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what those two verses are telling us. We might think, well, if we can be saved from death, well, well, why do people die at all then? If it's possible to live forever, as it says there in verse 16, everlasting life, then why doesn't it happen automatically? And we need to have a look at where death came from. What does the Bible say about death? Just turn right back to the start of your Bible, please. Genesis chapter 2. <clears throat> Here in Genesis chapter 2 we have Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and we find out the reason for death occurring in the first place. So Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden after the creation and there in chapter 2 and verse 16 we read And the Lord God commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die so Adam and Eve are told very clearly by God what they are allowed and not allowed to do they can eat of any tree in the garden of Eden except that one tree and they are told quite clearly there the consequences if they disobey and God makes it very clear to them what that consequence is they would die and of course in Genesis chapter 3 what happens Eve is beguiled by the serpent there in verse 4 um, she eats from the tree and Adam eats as well there in verse 6 even though they knew it was what God had told them not to do and as a result of that they have to face the consequences chapter 3 verse 17 God speaks to Adam and he says because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee saying thou shalt not eat of it Cursed is the ground for thy sake, in sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Verse 19, in the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. So here is God telling them that they were going to die, just as he said they would in chapter 2, when he told them about which trees they could eat from and which they could not. And that's why Adam and Eve died. That's why death occurred in the first place, through disobedience to God's word. They sinned, and that's what sin is, going against God's will, doing things that God has said they should not do. Adam and Eve disobeyed God, and the consequences they faced were exactly what God had said they would be. That's why Adam and Eve died. That's why everyone dies. That's why we die, because we have the same nature as Adam and Eve and you might, we might think well that's unfair they, they sinned I didn't eat from the wrong tree they did but, but we are no different we share that same human nature and just as Adam and Eve went against God's will in the garden of Eden so we go against God's will we do things that God has said we should not 
and we don't do things that God has said we should. Uh, and we're, we're confer- that's confirmed for us in, in the book of Romans. We read in Romans chapter 3, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned, that is every single one of us, every person. Romans chapter 5, death, death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And then the consequences, the wages of sin, is death. So we share Adam's nature, that same human nature. It would have been no different if we were there in person in the Garden of Eden. We would have broken the commandments of God just as Adam and Eve did. We're told in Jeremiah 17, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And it's that human heart, that human nature that we have. And that's where death came from. That's why we died. It's a consequence of that sinful nature that we possess. But the good news is that's what we can be saved from. So in answer to our question that is our subject this evening, do we need to be saved? Well, the answer is a very emphatic yes. Yes, we do need to be saved. And what is it then that we need to do to ensure that we are saved? Well, just turn to that reading we had, please, from the book of Acts, chapter 16. Acts chapter 16 and as we've read we've seen that the apostle Paul here is with his companion Silas and they have been preaching in the town of Philippi and they've been telling the people there the same good news that we're looking at tonight that through the Lord Jesus Christ they can be saved from death the locals don't like this and they stir up trouble and Paul and Silas in in verse 22 there they end up getting beaten and thrown into prison um and not only that, there in verse 24, they're put into stocks. Their feet are fastened in the stocks. And what happens? Well, there's this large earthquake. So large that the doors on the prison sprang open and the shackles and the stocks and so forth and the prisoners were loosed. Verse 26 there. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. Well, the prison keeper there in verse 27 <coughs> when he realises the doors of the prison have been opened and the stocks and so forth have come loose his immediate assumption is that all the prisoners have run away and given that the Romans were not known for their lenience these were his responsibility after all these prisoners he decides he's going to take his own life rather than face the consequences verse 27 the keeper of the prison awakening out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open he drew out his sword and would have killed himself supposing that the prisoners had been fled (coughs) but verse 28 there what does Paul say he shouts to him and he says do thyself no harm for we are all here all the prisoners are still there they're still inside the prison verse 29 then he the prison keeper called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and he realises this earthquake was no coincidence And he knew what it was that Paul had been preaching about in town. Verse 17, back earlier on, it says, um, The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. That's what Paul and Silas had been preaching, this way of salvation, how to be saved. And the prison keeper knew this. And verse 31, sorry, verse 30, And he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? It's a simple question, and Paul gives him a very simple answer there in verse 31. And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, 
and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And that gives us the essential first ingredient, if you like, if we want to be saved. It is that of belief. And what is it we need to believe in? Well, there in verse 31, we need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's the first thing. We need that belief. That's a critical first point. Well, how do we get belief? Well, if you just turn over a page and look at the very next chapter, in chapter 17 of Acts, um, it's speaking again of Paul. Uh, On this occasion, he is in a town called Berea. And there in verse 10, it says, uh, The brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word of God with all readiness of mind, and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. So how did they react to the preaching that Paul was giving there? Well, it says they received the word, the word of God. They listened to it. They were receptive to it. And then it says they searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so, whether those things were true. So they searched out for themselves to see whether the things that Paul had been telling them really were true and really were contained in the word of God. And it's an important point to note that. They didn't take Paul's word for it, but they confirmed what he'd said for themselves. And not just once, but daily. It says they daily there, they search the scriptures. And that's the kind of attitude and the approach that we need to have. If we want to get that belief, then we have to look at the word of God. We have to receive it, to listen to it, to learn from it. And as Paul said to the jailer in chapter 16, we need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, what is it we need to know about the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, I'm just going to read to you a few verses from um, some quotes in the New Testament, just to give us some key points about the Lord Jesus Christ. Firstly, John chapter 20. It says, These are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. So we need to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And that through him we can have life. That's how we are saved, through the Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians 15 it says, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. So that's how the Lord Jesus Christ saves us. He died on our behalf and for our sins. Ephesians chapter 1, in whom, the Lord Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. And our sins can be forgiven because of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. And why? Because of the grace of God, as it says there. And Ephesians chapter 2, it again emphasizes this need for this, this, um, this grace of God. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So we, we haven't earned the right to be saved. We haven't earned forgiveness in any way. It's the gift of God. It is something freely available from God. So Jesus is the Son of God. He died for our sins, and because of this, we can have a hope of life. And we can't earn this. It's something that is available through God's grace. So those are just some key points about the Lord Jesus Christ and what we need to believe on if we are thinking about these things. Now there was another um, 
aspect that was mentioned there in that in that verse from Ephesians for by grace are ye saved through faith and that's another important point now what do we mean by by faith I'll just turn to the book of Hebrews please in chapter 11 <clears throat> if you ask people what, what's meant by faith a lot of the times uh, the answer would come back well it's it's like belief well belief is certainly part of it but there's a little more to it than that Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 now faith is the substance or the confidence of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen and there it adds that extra little ingredient so belief is part of it yes but it's the hope that elevates just belief into faith so faith if you like is a confident belief in something that we hope for or that gives us hope that's what faith is and what is it that we can hope for down in verse 6 but without faith it is impossible to please him for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and there's the belief and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him and there's the hope is that hope in the reward of God the everlasting life that we read of in John chapter 3 <clears throat> So we've already seen belief is essential, belief in the Lord Jesus Christ, but also belief in God and in his promise of everlasting life. And that's, that's faith, it's that belief and hope. So where does faith come from? What generates faith? Well, Romans chapter 10 tells us, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And again, we see the importance of the word of God. It comes back to this book that's what is so important once we have heard from it we've read it we've been receptive to it we need to keep reading it and if we don't read it we won't be hearing what God is saying to us and as a result our faith will suffer how can we be confident in the hope of something if we're not looking at the evidence for it so if we put all that together then we have to start off believing in God in the Lord Jesus Christ and how do we believe well through reading the word of God through finding out what it has to say for ourselves <clears throat> we have to learn of the hope that we have through the Lord Jesus Christ this forgiveness of sins and the reward that God offers as a result of that the eternal life and we need to gain faith through that belief and that hope so if one we might say well is that it then if we reach that point are we saved well just just think of an example <clears throat> just imagine you're very very ill and you go to the doctor and the doctor says um, there's a bottle of medicine and this medicine will cure you it will make you completely better now you might believe him implicitly you might hope very much that he's right and the medicine will cure you you might have absolute faith in his abilities as a doctor but if you don't actually take the medicine then it's absolutely useless there's no point taking it home putting it on the shelf and leaving it there it won't do you any good at all and all that belief and the faith and the medicine and the doctor are a waste of time there needs to be some kind of action you actually have to take the medicine for it to be any good and, and so it is when we come to God yes we need belief in him and the Lord Jesus Christ yes we need faith in him and his promises but there has to be action based upon that belief and upon that faith 
and what action is it that's required? Well, if we jump back again to that chapter we read together in Acts chapter 16, we can see exactly what action it is that is required. Acts chapter 16. I've already read verse 30, haven't it? The prisoner, the prison keeper says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they say, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. Verse 32. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, and was baptized, he and all his, straight away. So the prison keeper there is baptised and that's the essential step, the essential action that we need to take if we want to be saved, if we want to benefit from God's promise of eternal life. And it's emphasised again throughout the pages of scripture, Mark chapter 16, it says, He that believeth, as the belief, and is baptised shall be saved and that's the action we have to take. Now an in-depth study of baptism is outside of our scope this evening. It is basically a full bodily immersion in water and it represents dying and being raised again to a new way of life just as the Lord Jesus Christ died and was raised again. Read Romans chapter 6 when you get chance. It covers it in some, some really good detail there. But it's an essential step that we associate ourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ through baptism. Well, is that it then? Once we're baptised we're saved and we can sit back and take it easy well no not really God wants us to live lives that follow his ways not just as a one-off thing but as a continued process right throughout our lives Ezekiel 18 says if the wicked will turn from all his sins that he hath committed and keep all my statutes and do that which is lawful and right he shall surely live he shall not die So we have to keep following God's laws, keep living how God wants us to live. And no, it won't always be easy, but again, the Bible doesn't pull any punches. It tells it exactly how it is. Turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, please. Again, the Apostle Paul speaking here, and, and he likens this process of living according to God's ways as as like running a race. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 24 Know ye not that they which run in a race run all but one receiveth the prize so run that ye may obtain and when running a race in the traditional sense of the word there's only ever one winner isn't there? there's only ever one gold medal there's one winner's spot up for grabs and you have to beat everybody else if you want to get that winner's spot don't you if you want to win the prize well that's the amount of effort Paul's saying we need to put in as though there only was one prize on offer. Because the good news is the prize is open to everybody, but it's open to everybody who puts in that effort as if there was only one prize, and they live their lives according to that. Verse 25, And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. So in a traditional race in the Olympics or whatever, you get a lump of metal if you win which is all very nice but it doesn't do you any good in the long run does it as Paul says there the prize that we are striving for is incorruptible and that's the everlasting life that God has promised and that's why Paul put in so much effort verse 26 I therefore so run not as uncertainly so fight I not as one that beateth the air 
but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection lest that by any means when I have preached to others I myself should be a castaway and Paul knew it was hard and he had to fight to make sure he was doing the right thing and living how God wanted him to live but he also knew that the rewards on offer that he hoped for were so great so there we have it then yes we do need to be saved from the consequences of sin that's what we need to be saved from and we need to find out about God through his word to believe in him and in the Lord Jesus Christ to believe in that wonderful hope of life eternal through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of sins that we can obtain through that we have to realise and recognise and admit that we are sinful just like Adam and Eve we have the same nature we're no different but we have to repent for that sinfulness and take action and be baptised and then live a life that God wants us to live and yeah as we've just thought there in 1 Corinthians 9 it's, it's not going to be easy and we will fail but if we're faithful then God will forgive us and he will always be with us he says in Hebrews 13 I will never leave thee nor forsake thee now as a an aside thinking about this we've already mentioned at the start haven't we? if we asked a lot of people if they think they need to be saved they'd say well, no I don't need to be saved well again use your imaginations think you're on a, a, a transatlantic cruise for example I've never been on one but just, just imagine you're on a long journey now if you knew that the boat that you were going to go on was going to sink in the middle of the ocean would you get on it and you might think, well, that's a bit of a stupid question. Of course we wouldn't get on it. No one wants to get onto a sinking ship, do they? But what if you were already on the boat? Would, would you need saving? Well, again, a bit of a silly question again, really. Of course we'd need saving. If the boat was going to sink, yes, yes, we would definitely need saving. Well, now let's say you're on that boat and you have the opportunity to transfer to another boat. Would you take that opportunity? Well, again, you'd say, well, yeah, of course we would. If the boat I'm on is going to sink... I would take any opportunity I have to get off it onto a different boat. But what if the boat you were getting onto wasn't as flashy? There was no entertainment, there was no bar, there were no shops or whatever else they have on these big cruises. Would it make any difference to your decision? Well, of course not. No, it wouldn't, would it? And why not? Well, because life itself is more important than all those other things. If you haven't got life, then, well, then everything else is worthless, isn't it? And in its most basic terms, I suppose that's what it's like when people say, no, they don't want saving. And they're not interested in God and his promises. They're on that boat, which is going to sink. They're going to die one day. And they're saying, no, I'll stay on it. I don't want to get off. I don't want to transfer. Well, Maybe a bit of a silly example there. But it just kind of gives an idea of the sort of situation that we face. We're on that boat. We're going to sink. We are going to die at some point in our lives. We don't know when. And what are we going to do? Are we going to stay on, or are we going to make the switch? Now, it's not something that God is going to force us into. He gave us free will, just as he gave Adam and Eve free will, the ability to choose whether to follow him or not. He's told us exactly what we need to do if we want to be saved, but whether we do it or not is entirely up to us. It's our choice. It's our decision. God wants us to take us up to take him up on his offer but he's not going to force us to 
It's a choice that we have to make individually for ourselves. And it's important that we do make that choice for ourselves, not because of what someone else does or what someone else says, but because of what we have learned from the word of God for ourselves. If we want to be saved, there's only one way to do it. Acts 4 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. What we don't know is how much time we have left before the Lord Jesus comes again to fulfil that wonderful promise of God to give eternal life to those who have chosen to follow God's ways. The Bible tells us what we must do to be saved, but each of us needs to make that decision for ourselves. And if that's a decision that you've not already made, then I would suggest you think about it very, very carefully. And the sooner, the better. We hope you enjoyed that talk. For more downloads, information about what we believe, and details of our meeting times, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk. Christadelphians.org.uk